Welcome back to another episode of Time Travel Rock here on 90.3 KRNU. I am your host, Jackson Reddick, where today we'll be going back to the band layout as last week we kind of dabbled into some one-hit wonders. But this week we'll be taking a look at the southern rock band from Florida, Leonard Skinnerd. You know, Leonard Skinnerd, they are a band. They have a multitude of hits throughout the years that they performed. You know, just a really good band, but they have a tragic history. I mean, they definitely do not have a clean history, I would say. They definitely have had things go wrong for them as a band, and and we'll find those things out today as we go through their history. But the band was created in the early 1960s as Alan Collins received his first guitar in 1963. You know, he was just kind of starting to get into music. He was in a band called The Mods in Jacksonville, Florida. The mods included J.R. Rice and Larry Steele, as in early 1964, Ronnie Van Zant joined another local band, The Squires, that he soon renamed to Us that year at a Battle of the Bands sort of uh, deal. Us performed against the mods, and they won the competition, Us being the ones that won. Zan Vant, however, left Us shortly afterwards in the early summer of 1964. Bassist Larry Junstrom drummer Bob Burns, and guitarist Gary Rossington formed a trio called Me, You, and Him. Later in the summer of 1964, Van Zant, Rossington, and Burns, as teenagers, all became acquainted again while playing on rival baseball teams. The trio got together coincidentally after Burns was injured by a ball that was struck by Van Zant. They set up their equipment in the carport of Burns' parents' house, playing the Rolling Stones' newest hit, Time is on My Side. They really liked what they heard from those initial get-togethers that they played with one another. They really thought there was something there. And then they soon uh, approached bassist Larry Junstrom. He rounded out the group and then later on approached Alan Collins to join the band as a guitarist, and he agreed to join as well. The band rehearsed in Junstrom's carport after Burns' parents said that the band was way too loud. So they had, you know, kind of flip-flop where they would perform and where they would practice. The band settled on the name My Backyard at first, changing it a multitude of times, changing from Conquer the Worm for a day or two, then the Noble Five, and finally the 1% by 1968. But in 1969, Van Zant sought out a new name after growing tired of taunts from audiences that the band had 1% talent. At Byrne's suggestion, the group settled on the name Leonard Skinner, which was in part a reference to a character named Leonard Skinner in Alan Sherman's novelty, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada and in part a mocking tribute to their PE teacher, Leonard Skinner, at Robert E. Lee High School. Skinner was notorious for strictly enforcing the school's policy against boys having long hair. Rossington dropped out of school, tired of being hassled about his hair. The more distinctive spelling, Leonard Skinner, the L-Y-N-Y-R-D-S-K-Y-N-Y-R-D, was adopted at least as early as 1970, by 1970, Leonard Skinner had become one of the top bands in Jacksonville, headlighting at local concerts, opening for several national acts. Pat Armstrong, a Jacksonville native and partner in Macon, Georgia, along with Phil Walden's younger brother, Alan, became the band's managers. Armstrong left the Hustlers shortly after to start his own agency. Walden stayed with the band until 1974 when management was transferred to Peter Rudge. The band continued to perform throughout the South in the early 1970s, further developing their hard-driving blues rock sound. They also experimented with their in the studio, you know, just trying to really find their style of play that they wanted to use. 
The band then crafted this distinctly southern sound through a creative blend of country, blues, and a slight bit of British rock influence as well. During the time the band experienced some lineup changes for the first time, Junstrom left and was briefly replaced by Greg T. Walker on bass. At that time, Ricky Medlock joined as a second drummer and second vocalist to help fortify Burns on the drums. Medlock had grown up with the founding members of Leonard Skinner and his grandfather, Shorty Medlock, was an influence in the writing of The Ballad of Curtis Lowe. You know, the band, that was just kind of their beginnings, but, you know, they slowly started to get to their peak shortly thereafter. As in 1972, the band was compromised of Van Zant, Collins, Rossington, Burns, Wilkinson, and Powell. They were discovered by musician, songwriter, and producer Al Cooper of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, who had attended one of their shows at Funicino's in Atlanta, Georgia. Cooper signed them to his Sounds of the South label, which was distributed and supported by MCA Records and produced their first album. Wilkinson, citing nervousness about the fame, temporarily left the band during the early recording sessions, only playing on two tracks. He then joined the band shortly after the release at Van Zandt's invitation and is pictured on the album cover. To replace him, Strawberry Alarm Clock guitarist Ed King joined the band and played bass on the album, which is really the only part that Wilkinson had not already written, being in the solo section in Simple Man. He also contributed to the songwriting and did some guitar work on the album. After Wilkinson rejoined, King stayed in the band and switched solely to guitar, allowing the band to replicate its three-guitar studio mix and live performances. The band released their debut album, pronounced Leonard Skinnerd, on August 13, 1973. It sold over one million copies and was awarded a gold disc by the RIAA. The album featured the hit song Freebird, which received national airplay, eventually, eventually releasing, reaching to, excuse me, number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Now, Freebird, that song, it is probably one of the nowadays. I feel like now it's getting even more popularity more than ever because you see it all over TikTok on edits that people do. But you know, it, it, to me, it is just it is a such a great guitar song. It is just truly. The guitar solos that are in that song are just so powerful, and they are so damn good. It is the lyrics itself, you know, the singing, the that stuff. The vocals are completely, they're totally good. You know, they make the song as well. But man, the guitar play, if the guitar play was not there, this song would not be what it is. But now I'll play for you off that first album, Leonard Skinner's Free Bird.
I'm going to play one more song off of that opening album by Leonard Skinner, and that'll be Simple Man. I just, it's a song that is not the most popular, I would say, or it was not a popular song on the charts when they released their album in 1973. But man, I, I just really like this song. The It's more of kind of a simpler kind of melancholy, I guess I would kind of say like a, just a I wouldn't say like more of a sad song, I guess, but just kind of a, I don't really know how to describe it to be completely honest. It's just a a guitar solo or a guitar chords that I just really like. I really like the consistent tune of the song. I just think it's a really good song and I wanted to play it on here just because I think it's a song that needs to be recognized for really how good it is. But here's Simple Man by Leonard Skinner.
the fan base of Leonard Skinner really continued to pop off. As in 1974, their follow-up album, Second Helping, featured King, Collins, and Rossington all collaborating with Van Zant on the songwriting, cementing the band's breakthrough. Their newest and best single, probably of all time, Sweet Home Alabama, which was a response to Neil Young's Southern Man, reached number eight on the charts that August. Young and Van Zant were really not rivals at all, but fans of each other's music and just really good friends with one another. Young wrote the song Powderfinger for the band, but they never recorded it. During their peak years, most of their records sold over one million copies, but Sweet Home Alabama was the only single to ever crack the top ten. And I'll play for you right now, Sweet Home Alabama, and it is one of the most uh, recognizable rock and roll songs of all time, I would say. I don't know where it's at on a... Uh, on a Rolling Stones chart or anything like that, I I would assume it has to be on there because it is one of the the best and just the you know sit around a campfire kind of song. You know that's kind of what I, I think about when I hear this song from Leonard Skinner. You know people have replicated it or people have redone this song, but the original you cannot beat it. You cannot beat it. And here is Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama.
In January of 1975, the band really had their first downfall a little bit as drummer Bob Burns left the band after suffering a mental breakdown during a European tour and was replaced by a Kentucky native and former U.S. Marine, Artemis Pyle. The band's third album, Nothing Fancy, was recorded in 17 days. Unhappy with the band's lack of preparation for the album's recording, Cooper and the band parted ways by mutual agreement after the tracking was completed with Cooper mixing the album while the band left for the tour that had precipitated the constricted recording schedule. Though the album fared well, it ultimately had lower sales than its predecessors. Midway through Nothing Fancy Tour, guitarist Ed King abruptly left the band after a falling out with Van Zant. King's guitar roadie and Van Zant were arrested together and spent the night in jail. With his guitar roadie unavailable, King played that night's show with his old strings that broke and caused his performance to be substandard, and Van Zant subsequently belittled him in front of his bandmates. King quit and returned home to Los Angeles, believing Van Zant had been responsible for his guitar roadie being in jail in the first place. Collins and Rossington both had serious car accidents over the Labor, over the Labor Day weekend in 1976, which slowed the recording of the follow-up album and forced the band to cancel some concert dates. Rossington's accident inspired the omnibus Van Zant slash Collins composition, That Smell, a cautionary tale about drug use that was clearly aimed towards him and at least one other band member. Rossington had admitted repeatedly that he was the Prince Charming of the song who crashed his car into an oak tree while drunk and stoned on qualudes. With the birth of his daughter, Melody, in 1976, Van Zant was making a serious attempt to clean up his act and curtail the cycle of boozed-up brawling that was part of Skinner's reputation. I will play for you that smell, as it is a really good song, even though it does have a little bit of a messed-up storyline, I guess you could say, but it really just is a great song by Leonard Skinner. So here is That Smell. Tomorrow might not be here for you 
got a monkey on your back Just one more fix, Lord, might do the trick One hell of a price for you to get your kicks Ooh, that smell Can't you smell that? For Leonard Skinner, after the That Smell album was, or the album that That Smell was on, after that was released, Street Survivors album 1977 turned out to really be a coming out party for Steve Gaines, who was a guitarist slash vocalist on the band who had joined just a year earlier and was making his studio album debut. Publicly and privately, Ronnie Van Zant marveled at the multiple talents of Skinner's newest member, claiming that the band would be all in his shadow one day. Gaines' contributions included his co-lead vocal with Van Zant on the co-written You Got That Right and the rousing guitar boogie I Know A Little, which he had written songs before he had even joined Leonard Skinner, so he was confident that Leonard Skinner's leader of Gaines' abilities, that this album and some of the concerts featuring Gaines delivered his self-penned bluesy Ain't No Good Life, the only song that in his pre-crash Skinner catalog to feature a lead vocalist other than Ronnie Van Zant. The album was included. The album included one of the better hit singles of the band, "What's Your Name," and that smell, you know. And I'm gonna play "What's Your Name," and really, to me, it's the first time that Leonard Skinner kind of popped into the. I don't want to say the pop of the rock and roll, but it really sounds like the most radio classic song that they have you know there's certain songs that are just made for radio and this song kind of sounds like it it doesn't detract anything away from the song but it definitely sounds like something that they were aiming to get on the airwaves basically but here is what's your name by leonard skinnard
As I sort of alluded to kind of at the end of that last piece before playing What's Your Name, the band did suffer a major tragedy. As in 1977, on October 20th, the band, after a performance at the Greenville Memorial Auditorium in Greenville, South Carolina, they had boarded a chartered Convair CV240 bound for Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where they were scheduled to appear at Louisiana State University the following night. After running out of fuel, the pilots attempted an emergency landing before crashing into a heavily forested area five miles northeast of Gillsburg, Mississippi. Ronnie Van Zant and Steve Gaines, along with backup singer Casey Gaines, Steve's older sister, assistant and road manager Dean Kilpatrick, pilot Walter McCreary, and co-pilot John Gray were killed on impact. Other band members, Collins, Rossington, Wilkinson, Powell, Pyle, and Hawkins, tour manager Ron Eckerman, and several road crew members suffered serious injuries. The accident came just three days after the release of the group's fifth studio album, Street Survivors. Following the crash and in the ensuing press, Street Survivors became the band's second platinum album and reached number five on the Billboard Top 200, their highest position ever on the chart. 
The single What's Your Name reached number 13 on the singles chart in 1978. The original cover sleeve for Street Survivors had featured a photograph of the band amid flames with Steve Gaines nearly obscured by fire. Out of respect for the deceased and at the request of Teresa Gaines, Steve's widow, MCA Records withdrew the original cover and replaced it with the album's back photo, a similar image of the band against a simple black background. However, the group would restore the original image for the 30th anniversary deluxe edition of the album. You know, the band had to take a quick hiatus after that. I mean, after something so devastating after as a guitar, I mean, as a plane crash, excuse me, they disbanded after the tragedy, reuniting only on one occasion to perform the instrumental version of Freebird at Charlie Daniels Volunteer Jam in January of 1979. Collins, Rossington, Powell, and Pyle were joined by Daniels and members of his band. Leon Wilkison, who was still undergoing physical therapy for his badly broken left arm, was in attendance along with Judy Van Zant, Teresa Gaines, Jojo Billingsley, and Leslie Hawkins. Rossington, Collins, and Wilkison and Powell formed the Rossington Collins Band, which released two MCA albums, Anytime, Anyplace, Anywhere, in 1980, and This Is The Way in 1981. Deliberately avoiding comparisons with Ronnie Van Zant, as well as suggestions that this band was just Leonard Skinner reborn, Rossington and Collins chose a woman, Dale Krantz, as the lead vocalist. However, as an acknowledgement of their past, the band's concert encore would always be an instrumental version of Free Bird. Rossington and Collins eventually had a falling out over the affections of Dale Krantz, whom Rossington married, and with whom he formed the Rossington Band, which released two albums, Return to the Scene and Return to the Scene of the Crime in 1986 and Love Your Man in 1988, and also opened for Leonard Skinner Tribute Tour in 1987 and 1988. You know, the band just really did not have any good fortunes. As in 1980, Alan Collins' wife, Kathy, died of a massive hemorrhage while miscarrying their third child. He formed the Alan Collins Band in 1983 from the remnants of the Collington, of the Rossington Collins Band and released one MCA studio album, Here, There, and Back. He was visibly suffering from Kathy's death. He excessively drank and consumed drugs. As on January 29, 1986, Collins, then 33, crashed his Ford Thunderbird into a ditch near his home in Jacksonville killing his girlfriend Deborah Jean Watts and leaving himself permanently paralyzed from the chest down. The band really just had a rough going for a 10-year period from 1977 to 1987. You know, obviously having a plane crash like that, I'm sure that never leaves your memory and I'm sure that will never, never left anybody's. As in 1987, Leonard Skinner reunited for a full-scale tour with five major members of the pre-crash band, Crash Survivors Gary Rossington, Billy Powell, Leon Wilkison, and Artemis Pyle, along with guitarist Ed King, who had left the band two years before the crash. Ronnie Van Zant's younger brother, Johnny, took over as the new lead singer and primary songwriter. Due to the founding member Alan Collins' paralysis from his 1986 car accident, he was only to participate as a musical director, choosing Randall Hall, his former bandmate in the Alan Collins band, as his stand-in. In return for avoiding prison following his guilty plea to DUI manslaughter, Collins would be wheeled out on stage each night to explain to the audience why he could no longer perform. Usually, before the pre- performance of that smell, the lyrics which had been partially directed at him. Collins was stricken with pneumonia in 1989 and died on January 23, 1990, at the age of 37. 
the reunited band was intended to be a one-time tribute thing you know just to play the original lineup captured on the double live album southern by the grace of god leonard skinner tribute tour 1987 that the band chose to continue on after 1987 you know that tour caused legal problems for the survivors as judy van zant janesse and Teresa gaines rap widows of ronnie and steve sued the others for violating an agreement made shortly after the plane crash stating that they would not exploit the skinner name for profit as part of the settlement, Janess and Rap collected nearly 30% of the band's touring revenues, representing the shares that their husbands would have earned had they had been alive, and the Provaso requiring any band touring as Leonard Skinner to include Rossington and at least two of the other four surviving members from the pre-crash era, namely Wilkeson, Powell, King, and Pyle. Following this rule, the band would not have been for would have been forced to retire in 2001, but they had still continued to tour for another two decades. The band released its first post-reunion album in 1991 entitled Leonard Skinner 1991. By that time, the band had added a second drummer, Kurt Custer. Artemis Pyle left the band during that same year, with Custer becoming the band's solo drummer. The lineup released a second post-reunion album entitled The Last Rebel in 1993. Later that year, Randall Hall was replaced by Mike Estes in 1994. Owen Kale replaced Kurt Custer on drums. The band really just had a ton of complications later on as Ed King had to take a break from touring in 1996 due to heart complications that required a transplant. In his absence, he was replaced by Huey Thomason, which the band did not let King rejoin after he recovered. At the same time, Mike Estes was replaced by Ricky Medlock, who had previously played and recorded with the band for a short time in the 70s. The result was a major retooling of the band's guitar army. Medlock and Thomason would also become major contributors to the band's songwriting, along with Rossington and Van Zant. The first album with this new lineup released in 1997 was entitled 20. The band released another album, Edge of Forever, in 1999. By that time, Hale had left the band and the drums on the album were played by session drummer Kenny Aronoff. Michael Carlatone became the band's permanent drummer on the subsequent tour. Despite the growing number of post-reunion albums that the band had released up to this time, setlists showed that the band was mostly playing the 1970s era material in concert which I, I really cannot blame them for doing is I'm sure people were not really there to listen to newer <laughs> Leonard Skinner. I'm sure they were there to listen to the good old rock and roll. Funny enough, though, the band actually released a Christmas album entitled Christmas Time Again in 2000, which I, I find hilarious. I think that is one of the more funny things. Leon Wilkeson, Skinner's bassist since 1972, was found dead in his hotel room on July 27, 2001. His death was to be found out to be emphysema and chronic liver disease. In 2001, he was replaced by Ian Evans. The first album to feature Evans was Vicious Cycle, released in 2003. This album had improved sales over the other post-reunion albums and had a minor hit single in the song Red, White, and Blue. The band also released a double collection album called 30, which had songs from the original lineup to the present, and also a live DVD version of their Vicious Cycle tour, and on June 22, 2004, the album Leonard Skinner Live, The Vicious Cycle Tour. Thomason left the band in 2005 to form The Outlaws, and Mark Sparky Matjeka, formerly of the country music band Hot Apple Pie, joined in 2006 as his replacement. On November 2, 2007, the band performed for a crowd of 50,000 people at the University of Florida's Gator Grohl, a student pep rally in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, The Swamp. This was the largest crowd that Leonard Skinner had played in the U.S. until the July 2008 Bama Jam in Enterprise, Alabama, where more than 111,000 people attended. 
On January 28, 2009, keyboardist Billy Powell died of a suspected heart attack at age 56 at his home near Jacksonville, Florida, where there was no autopsy carried out, and he was later, later replaced by Peter Keyes. On March 17, 2009, it was announced that Skinner had signed a worldwide deal with Roadrunner Records in association with their label, Loud and Proud Records, and released their new album, Gods and Guns, on September 29th of that year. They toured Europe and the United States in 2009 with Keys on keyboards and Robert Kearns of the Bottle Rockets on bass. Bassist Ian Evans died of cancer on four, on, at age 48 on May 6, 2009. Scottish rock band Gun performed as a special guest for the UK leg of Skinner's tour in 2010. In addition to that tour, Skinner appeared at the Sean Hannity Freedom Concert Series late in the 2010. Hannity had been actively promoting for the God and Guns album, frequently playing portions of the track That Ain't My America on his radio show. The tour is titled Rebels and Bandoleros. The band continued to tour throughout 2011, playing alongside ZZ Top and the Doobie Brothers. You know, as the years go on, you know, more band members had started to pass away as original drummer Bob Burns died at age 64 on April 3rd, 2015. His car crashed into a tree while he was driving alone near his home in Cartersville, Georgia. From 2015 through 2017, the band had periods of being sidelined or having to cancel shows due to health problems suffered by founding member Gary Rossington. Former Ed King, or former band member Ed King, who had been battling cancer, died in his Nashville, Tennessee home on August 22nd, 2018 at age of 68. You know, they had just, the band had just been through so much and just throughout the years, you know, just tragedy had struck the band so many times throughout the years, having to have so many guys being replaced by other people. But the fact that they were able to continue to go on and they're still making music and they're still touring today is absolutely crazy. As Rossington, the last original member of the band, actually died just a couple months ago on March 5th, 2023. No cause of death was given. All the original members of the band are now deceased. As in April of 2023, the band released a statement saying that they will continue continue touring despite Rossington's death. You know, it just shows that the band is still so popular now today. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked the group the number 95 of their all-time 100 greatest artists of all time. As on November 28, 2005, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced that Leonard Skinner would be inducted alongside Black Sabbath, Blondie, Miles Davis, and the Sex Pistols. They were inducted into the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Manhattan on March 13, 2006 during the Hall's 21st annual induction ceremony. The inductees included Roddy Van, Ronnie Van Zant, Alan Collins, Gary Rossington, Ed King, Steve Gaines, Billy Powell, Leon Wilkinson, Bob Burns, and Artemis Pyle. Some tributes that they'd have in 2010, another country tribute album was produced primarily by Jay Joyce titled Sweet Home Alabama, the country music tribute to Leonard Skinner. The album featured a more modern country flavor than the 1994 tribute featuring Randy Hauser, Jamie Johnson, Eric Church, Eli Young Band, Uncle Cracker, Ashley Ray, Randy Montana, and Shooter Jennings. Ronnie Van Zant's widow, Judy Van Zant Janess, operates a Leonard Skinner tribute website for the educational purpose of sharing the original Leonard Skinner band's history, as well as a Freebird Live, a live music venue in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. The Drive-By Truckers, which was dedicated their album Southern Rock Opera to Leonard Skinner, a monument in Magnolia, Mississippi, 400 yards from the plane crash, was constructed in honor for the deceased members. It is located off of I-55 near the Louisiana-Mississippi border at exit number 8. The surviving families of the deceased attended the opening of the monument. 
A biopic was announced on April 4, 2017. The film was later titled Street Survivors, The True Story of the Leonard Skinner Plane Crash and was released in June of 2020. On March 13, 2018, filmmaker Stephen Kiljack premiered his documentary called If I Leave Here Tomorrow at the Stateside Theater during the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Kiljack was joined on stage by Johnny Van Zant and Gary Rossington at the world premiere to speak to fans about the film. You know, it, it just goes to show that this band meant so much to people over time and the fact that they're still performing today is just a testament to the work that they've done and the work that they did. And, you know, they have their peak was very small. I would say it wasn't very long, but the peak that they did have was very large. But that's all the time we have here on Time Travel Rock. Uh, I am Jackson Reddick here on 90.3 KRNU. Once again, I really appreciate you tuning in on this Saturday evening and You know, hopefully the weather can improve for next week and we get a more consistent 60s and 70s, no more of this 45 degrees crap. Thank you very much and have a great rest of your evening.